This is the Pool Together Community Podcast. Pool Together is the world's number one no-loss prize savings account. You can visit pooltogether.com to deposit. You're listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. I'm your host, Tim, a.k.a. Millie Yearly, a.k.a. Hot Mike. And I'm here with Pease, the founders of Pease. We got Parker and Armand. And listen, listener, listen to me here. I was on the G train, the G train. Nothing, nothing good happens on the G train, but I was on it. And I hear these two gentlemen talking about Wallet Connect and Web3 and abstraction. And, I, and me being the creeper that I am, I walked over to them on the G train and I said, excuse me, are you in crypto? And thus a friendship was born. Yes, I have visited Pease, their headquarters at the 50th floor on top of the Barclays Center in like some sort of penthouse dream house where you can see the Statue of Liberty and the Empire State Building and JFK and everything. This is Pease. So welcome, Parker and Armand. Thank you for being here. From the G train to Discord, baby, to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having us and thanks for uh, creeping on our conversation. Obviously, it's been very fruitful. Yeah, appreciate you, mate. Glad to be here. I mean, when when we, we when I started that, you were just like, "This place is the best place ever, New York City." Like people, I just we just bumped into somebody in crypto. Oh, dude, we were stoked. We, like, every time we're on the on the train, we're always like we we don't mind talking at full volume about what we're what we're doing. There may be some, probably more alpha and IP dropped on the G chain than there probably should be, but if you're there, listen in. That's right. I was I was waiting for a bagel at a place, and this guy was like, "I just need people to buy my seeds and stake them. I just need like some sort of farming <laughs> game or something." <laughs> I didn't want to mess with that one. I didn't say I didn't interrupt because I was like, "Okay, play to earn." Now I'm gonna walk away. I'm walking away. <laughs> so so tell me. So how did let's let's back up from even the G train and please tell me how Parker and Armand how you guys got into this thing called crypto. Oh boy. How did we all get here? Who knows? So Parker and I went to UC Berkeley together. That's how we met. We were roommates there. Had a lot of fun, had a lot of study time, had a lot of cool things happen there. And so as I'm sure you and, and listeners know, Blockchain Club at UC Berkeley is huge. Neither of us had the blessing of being a part of that club, but just the repercussions of that club existing on campus and being present results in blockchain tech and crypto conversations and all these different things just rippling throughout. So exposed to crypto, my second week on campus in 2017, I remember buying ETH at like a hundred bucks and selling it at 300 and thinking I was some sort of God. And now I look back and want to cry. And really from there was not super serious up until senior year when Parker and I and a few of our friends started kind of building on top of crypto, we can get into that after kind of Parker gets his personal crypto hill story. Yeah, I think my my first intro to crypto was back in like 2016 or something when I bought a, a, a jersey, like an NFL jersey online with, with Bitcoin. I'm sure that jersey now is worth a couple grand. And at the time, it was like 20 bucks or something like that. So it was... I, I kind of I was exposed earlier to that way, but then kind of like Armand, it was just walking through Sproul on campus and just seeing all the blockchain clubs and all of the just kind of stuff going around around, uh, around about it. So I had kind of like dabbled and bought like, 
I think a little bit of ETH my, my freshman year and was just kind of curious about the technology, but never really held in, in terms of like either, you know, getting into like degening into DeFi or, or building on top of it, but just had a general curiosity. And then I guess we can kind of go like leave off at like this story of like senior year and how he really dove into it, Armand. Yeah. So this story kind of kicks off how even P started where Parker, I, and a group of our friends um, had always just been building throughout school, social apps, trading stuff, et cetera, you name it, we probably built it. Um, and so one of the things that we were building our senior year when we were taking a machine learning class at Berkeley was an automated trading bot, doing some sort of arbitrage across exchanges, pulling out different indicators from the models we built, and really just making automated free money. Uh, we were actually running this on Berkeley servers, which was fun and exciting and doing the whole thing. One of the problems we had while building here amongst many kind of crypto on-chain builds was getting the API to work across all of these exchanges, being able to move money using these APIs across exchanges, et cetera. So with that issue and problem that we had, we continued to build this post-grad and decided that building with these APIs individually, Coinbase, Binance, all the other two shall not be named and are no longer existing, uh, their APIs are horrible in and of themselves. Why can't we just aggregate them all and provide them as a service? Kind of like a plaid for crypto, although one of the things that we were trying to do was provide right functionality in the movement of funds, not just being able to pull data from these centralized exchanges, but actually move funds. So that's really what kicked off Peas. That's what we started building with. We went out and we raised on that idea. We did the whole thing, spoke with three, 400 builders and companies in the space, met a lot of cool people. And around August of 22, well, around, honestly, that week that you caught us speaking on the G-Trade, Tim, we were, after we had done all these different conversations and understood kind of what the space looked like and got really exposed to what it meant to build in Web3, we realized that the problem set for user onboarding and bringing on and retaining new users is huge and unsolved in the space and that led us to do a slight pivot into what we're building now. What a story. And I've dropped the website, peas.com, P-E-A-Z-E.com. In case you're listening, it'll be in the podcast description. Please, if you're driving, don't try to go to this website. But there's a, a, a GIF, an animated little video that I think is a little too fast because I'm like, wait, what's happening? But it hits the sign-in to wallet created by nft deposit into DeFi, transaction processing transaction complete it's it's the promised land like what you have on your homepage of your website is the promised land like that is how we win and uh how long until we have that guys so don't say soon tm no no we've got we've got hard dates now things are pushing we've got a tight process going appreciate the feedback on the speed of the video there we're on that uh, you're not the first to have said that the speed's a little bit nauseating. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't. I was just saying it's like a little bit like, come on, like it, you know, I was just like, can't be that fast. I mean, if it is that fast, that's pretty, that's pretty baller. No. So to, to kind of touch on when, what we built will be available and really what exactly we built. First to just touch uh, what we built and how we envisioned this going forward. User onboarding and retention in Web3 is largely broken because Web3 applications are simply too hard for users, especially normal internet users. To You have to 
own a wallet, often the time to download or plug in a browser extension. You have to manage your private keys. You have to on-ramp crypto, which involves knowing which token on which chain to hold. You might have to swap or bridge. Off-ramping is largely unprovided by these wallets in a native fashion, so you'll have to move those to an exchange. That comes with its own headache. You have to manage your gas. You have to sign transactions and understand hashes and block numbers. I mean, I could go on and on about this, right? And so if we're going to make Web3 something that is synonymous with the internet, all of these problems that I just described need to be solved. So what we're doing to solve this problem and, and bring Web3 to the masses is providing developers with an SDK that allows their users to sign in with the traditional auth method, like an email or a Google account. A non-custodial wallet will be spun up for that user under the hood. And then they can attach a payment method, like a credit card or a bank account, to the account that they've signed in with. And whenever they transact on chain, whether it be aping in the DeFi, buying an NFT, uh, whatever requires an on-chain value, what we can do is on-ramp and or swap and bridge under the hood if necessary, and then get that transaction paid for. So now a user essentially in a few clicks with just you know putting in their email, putting down a credit card, and clicking confirm can perform any on-chain transaction within minutes. That's uh, that's beautiful. And ideally, you're talking about like multi-chain, right? Like so, it doesn't you don't even have to think about like what chain you're on. Correct. So the end user has no idea, doesn't need to know, and you know whether it be uh, an app on Polygon, an app on Arbitrum, Avalanche. Ethereum mainnet, whatever it may be, the user doesn't really care, right? Ultimately, they're just going to use the application. The application so happens to be a Web3 blockchain built app, so they need to have a wallet. But now they don't even need to know that. They just sign in with the traditional method, put down that payment method, they're good to go. And then at what point do you, does the non-custodial come in? You know, like at what point when are, is it like, okay, like I've learned more I, I'm I, I got I got my hardware wallet or or is the is the idea that they don't need to go like deeper like you're not just entry level you're like for everyone what do you who's your target audience? So we think that becoming true self custodians of your wallet of your digital assets is very very valuable and that is the end goal. Rather than essentially shoving that down users' throats from the very beginning, we take the approach of trickling that to them over time, teaching them how to potentially take custody of their private key and their wallets and et cetera. The way that we have this set up now from an architectural level is that we are contract account-based. We are not a pure ELA. When a user signs in for the first time with their traditional auth method, that auth method will be paired to uh, a neat, private key management architecture that we are are building out right now and we'll have a white paper on soon. But essentially, this architecture enables us to be completely out of the picture in terms of custodying or adding access into the wallet. And so the user's auth method, whether it be Google, email, whatever, is the accessor of that contract account. They can add multiple factor authentication to that if they would like. They can pair that with a phone number. They can pair that with Google Auth, whatever they'd like to add another layer of security. And in the end, if they want to take full self-custody of that contract account, we can either expose the private key to them or we can do some cool stuff where they bring a private key to us and the ownership of the contract account is now paired to that private key that they've provided to us. We haven't fully decided how we want to go about it. But the overall theme here is that, A, 
will never and should never be in full control of a user's wallet. And whenever a user wants to become fully self-custodian of that wallet, they will be able to. Yeah. So, and it looks like what you're doing is white labeling, right? Or it's not, it's just, you're powered by P's, but generally you're the, for the user. And this is part of the extra abstraction is that they don't have to think about anything. They're buying a digital collectible from Starbucks, right? So they're logging in with their email, very familiar, used to doing it, sign in with Google, make the transaction, put in the credit card, or maybe it's already there because you've already interacted with P's before. That's ideal. Make the purchase. And uh, we'll see the amount that you're about to spend, make the purchase, get the asset. And then what if, what if I want to give that to, like, what if my mom buys something from Starbucks, digital collectible, and wants to give it to her grandbabies, you know? So then how, so because Starbucks has white labeled it and that sort of thing, does that also mean that the wallet experience or the asset experience is site by site? Or is there a central location for that? So as of now, we envision this being a universal wallet so that when a user visits different dApps, different NFT marketplaces, et cetera, their digital identity travels with them across the the ecosystem, right? I think that's one of the biggest pillars of Web3 and the advantages that it brings. However, we also realize and accept that some companies with specific use cases may be more intrigued to have a single wallet experience where with Starbucks, for example, it's a really good idea of this, right? Someone buys an NFT from Starbucks and wants to be contained within that ecosystem for business advantageous reasons or whatever it may be. We can, we can cater to those uh, as they come up, but the first iteration of this is a universal wallet. So when you say universal wallet, you mean like also a universal like homepage for that. So like I I would in fact interact with peas at that level, right? For my wallet, like what what did I buy? Yeah, yeah. Stuff. These are I mean these are the UI UX questions and challenges that we're working through our initial with with our initial beta customers and really hacking out because ultimately it is a challenge that doesn't have any answers yet. Right now the and kind of like to go back with the white labeled approach that we're taking. One of the beliefs and bets that we are making is that Having users interact with multiple logos in a short span of time, being bounced out to different browser extensions and tabs and windows is very detrimental to that user's experience. And that is the reason for our white-labeled approach. We try to minimize fees as much as possible. The user, again, came to use the application, not a wallet, not buy crypto. They came to use some app. And so we service that need and try to do so without stepping on anybody's toes or stepping in the way. So with that, users will be using P's as a means of using an application, not necessarily using P's because of the P's wallet. Over time, as we scale, as P's gets plugged into more places, it only becomes inevitable that we will have our own web client that serves as a P's wallet. So if a user wants to view everything in a single place, they can do it from there. Or we can provide our customers as part of our FCK with a wallet view or an account view that similar to how you kind of click on MetaMask or click on open wallet and some of these dApps and your wallet opens up. Similar thing would happen with us that the wallet will probably be more white labeled, obviously, but the customer will be able to toggle if they want the universal assets to show across the ecosystem. Or maybe when a user clicks on that open wallet within Starbucks, Starbucks has it configured. So only Starbucks related assets show up and they kind of cater that UX and UI more so for their needs. Sorry, I miss. And tell me that. Did you give me a hard date 
on when, like when you think you're going to have your beta or your, your alpha? Yeah, so we have a demo ready, actually. We just got to tag it to our website. The SDK is also going to be ready for beta use on Friday. And from there, it's going to be about rolling it out. So we have like a catered list that we're going to roll it out to. We're going to have a more public launch, more I think self-serve launch of the SDK during ETH Denver. So nice. March are you, are you doing a table? What, are you doing a table at ETH Denver? How, how can I see you at ETH Denver? You presenting? DM us. DMs are open. We're not, we're not going to have a table, not presenting, anything like that. But we'll be there. We'll be very active, open to meet everybody and anybody. And uh, I know Parker's got a lot of exciting stuff planned for us. My calendar is filled. We got to hang out. We got to hang out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be your hype guy in the background at, at East Denver. That'd be really great. Optimism did like some weirdo, like they just set up at the build tables with like white t-shirts with Sharpie on them. I think it was optimism, but I was like, okay, that's not a bad idea. I could, I could self draw a logo on all these on a hundred different white t-shirts. <laughs> or just or just on anyone wearing a white t-shirt just go tag them that's not a bad idea either <laughs> this is great i want to know is there like a purgatory for the money you know what i'm saying like is there like idle money because if there is how can that be deposited into pool together so that there's chances to win the milli yearly that we will eventually get to that million dollar prize idle money as in kind of like a balance in the wallet if I yeah 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 so this is something that we've talked about. I'll give my angle and then Parker, you can dive in and give your angle. As of now, in the short term, what we don't necessarily see is users having to make a deposit into the wallet and then use that deposit to either swap or buy some kind of asset and then have assets sitting there. Really, crypto serves as a means to an end. But we do understand that as our you know long-term vision and goal entails, making users become more crypto-native is the goal. So they will inevitably have a balance. And who knows? I mean, maybe some of these dApps that we plug into will inevitably lead to users having a balance of Matic or a balance of OP or USDC or whatever it may be in their wallet. And so when and if that's the case, getting that uh, that pool together, fried possibility plugged right into pieces is an obvious no-brainer, right? We can make everybody happy, gamify the savings accounts, and, and it's a win-win for all. And then yeah, even if, yeah, go for it, Parker. Oh yeah, no, I was saying, like, you know, we will, like, there's still a functionality to buy to buy crypto directly within the wallet, right? Like with with that on ramping functionality, you can still say you're in an application that's just kind of like a portfolio manager. Rather than having to bounce out to a centralized exchange, you can you can purchase those assets directly from within the wallet in the app, like native to the application. So if a user did want to do that, that's that's it's available. Um, and then ultimately with some like kind of like the DeFi teams that we're working with, like the the yield that you you pull out will will settle in your wallet or some of like the the earnings you get from in like you know uh depositing into into LPs will will settle back into your wallet. So there's and or if like you're in a game and you you, you get some winnings there. There's I think there's various ways that like you know to draw draw back to pool together. You can definitely there's there's gonna be balances available inevitably. And then you know ultimately our, our goal is to is to bring assets into bring really technology and functionality on chain. So with that goal in mind, there's a lot of ways that I think we can get creative with it. Yeah. And then there's also the just deposit into pool together, right? With peas, right? So you could just actually, hey, I wanna I wanna start saving money via peas through pool together. And then that, that obviously would be the easiest way to do it, but I'm just, I'm getting crafty with the ooh that whole idle money situation. Okay, 
So you, what, you, go for if it. If you want to put if you want to put your your TradFire, your web your web two check weekly check into you know on chain, just go directly from your bank account and deploy together. I don't see a reason that the that should be there a problem go. with peas. There you go. And we're working on uh we're trying to get like and I don't know if this is a good idea or not. I think it's great, but like uh get a pool together spending card where you can get that like by holding a balance and pool together, you get that chance at the milli yearly eventually, or at least right now the five thousand dollar prize that we're that's going on monthly, or the other great smaller prizes. So if you don't spend, you have the you have the exposure there. But if you do spend, there would also be just like typical credit card rewards points as well. So that's that's also an idea. So yeah, you save and spend. So put your whole paycheck into pool together, and then boom, pay your rent. Ape into pool together. Pool apes in the pool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> So, what is the market? What's 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 the future of crypto? What are you guys thinking? What are you liking? What are you excited about? Uh, what's like twenty twenty two was supposed to be the music NFT year of the music NFT. Twenty twenty three, I think, is you know asset collateralization specifically with like NFTs. There's a lot going on there. Uh, it's very clunky, very over the counter, very hand holy still. But I think there's a lot of potential there, especially with like even having people who find loans and then they can sell those loans and to somebody who doesn't want to do all the legwork. What do you think about the future of crypto? Yeah, I think we were actually having a, a, an interesting conversation with a friend today um, about this. Is is I mean, I think I'll, I'll naturally kind of gravitate towards DeFi as I think it's just more more functional, more dynamic, and it has really great longevity for the space and, and really to kind of disrupt globally. And so something along the lines of if, if we can really have like in real life use cases of of crypto and of DeFi, I think that's makes something pretty interesting. So like say you're rather than just having to go and so like so Starbucks, for example, you go to Starbucks and you you pay at the at the register. That 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 balance there is settled over a month, they have to pay the taxes at the end of the month. They have to send separate information to the government and or like, or the state entity. And so there's there's various dichotomies of, of how information and funds need to traverse across settlement layers and across data layers. And if you can put that all on chain, you can in like using whether it be like ZK or some like interesting contracts, you can kind of automate that whole flow and it can be, you can reduce fees, the, you know, data, like data access becomes more rapid and it becomes less of a headache on both ends. So I think it's like, there's a, there's a lot of room for, for real disruption. Now, granted, is that 2023? Maybe not. Maybe it's a little bit further out, but I think there's still opportunities of we are, we kind of can already see how DeFi is disrupting, you know, the loan space, the credit space, or just simple transaction layers. So I think there's various ways in which kind of new use cases can can kind of come into play here. And I think even even if people do want to use, you know, fiat their fiat method as a base layer, being able to settle as crypto may be more convenient or more optimal in some use cases. So I think I mean, there's there's so many different routes that it can take, but I think I would like to see a really big push. I mean, we, we wrote about this the other week that like DeFi can kind of stop being like the vigilante of finance and really come into the mainstream as the hero, or if you want to be get dramatic with it, like the hero of finance for, for retail users and for individuals as it was kind of intended, rather than seeing kind of the seven to 10 thousand whales uh really kind of dominate the space i think there's a lot of room for for applications to be built that are tailored towards kind of everyday users and so i think that's i think what we're seeing is a lot of excitement around these this like the app new applications that are being built or at least 
a, a reorientation of existing apps that are a little bit more accessible to, to, to retail users. I wonder if you have budget or maybe Peas plus Pool Together plus Juno, and we can just like open up a bank branch in Manhattan, but it's just like n- the non-bank, the unbank, the you know, like the crypto bank or something. I would also love to see like payday loans disrupted, just any sort of like predatory stuff that like is just beautiful, heroic things that could happen. But again, we always have, there's always this, I mean, we even said like aping in or degens, like the Polygon Quest thing is now called the Polygon Degen Quest. There's like this like get rich quick thing that still is like prevalent within crypto and so i mean pool together is all about no loss and like the ability for like healthy financial health and and that sort of thing so yeah it's just how do we how do we get there so i appreciate that parker that's a good vision for for DeFi and specifically crypto but it's just it's just hard to see it you know (laughs) with like ftx and with (laughs) with everything like luna all this stuff you know and all these rugs in the nft space so what about you armand what do you what are you thinking I got depressed right there. Make me happy again. Depressed? No, no, there's no reason to be depressed. I think the, <laughs> I mean, I have like a similar sentiment as well. I don't know if it's necessarily, again, like Parker was saying, is 2022 the year of more retail tailored DeFi product? Does DeFi start to push into more mainstream use cases such as payment settlements at coffee shops? I don't know. But again, DeFi is supposed to be the liberation of financial freedom for all. That's the whole point. And I think there's a lot of ways that if everybody can comply with one another and, and, and kind of find a way to come to a happy medium, that everybody can benefit from having open, free finance with advantageous abilities. So, I mean, this and this is kind of trickles down into exactly what Pool Together is doing, right? It's approachable, it's fun, it's not scary or degeny or villainous or anything like that. It's like, look, you've got zero downside savings account with only the possibility of upside. It utilizes DeFi as a means to an end rather than DeFi itself being the reason to try to ape in and get rich quick and all of that. So that's why we're such big fans of Pool Together because it falls under this, what we think, new wave or the direction of DeFi that we believe is going to lead to a lot of benefit for the world. Who are these partners that, you, that you're going to be working with? And if, and if you can't reveal those, can you reveal just like aspirational partners? Like who, who do you think, like if you could just land this account, then Peas will make it, that sort of thing. That's a good. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll save some of the exciting announcements for later. Don't want to spoil anything. But I think you know who we've been working with and and who we're excited to work with is is, I mean, there's there's ways that you can disrupt modern crypto applications that whether it be DeFi, whether you're you know, you're setting LPs, um, you're doing I don't know crazy perp stuff. That's <laughs> that you know that it's getting really kind of technical with it. I think what we're excited about is seeing these new layer applications get built that are accessible. Um, so whether it be like market uh, automated market makers that like on top of like Uniswap pools that just make it really easy for people rather than having to set bounds, select tokens. You, instead, you can kind of just say deposit here as like kind of an on-chain bank account that earns 
you know, five, seven percent, something stable. It doesn't need to be this uh, egregious anchor level 40 percent yield that, you know, could get you rug, could have some problems with it. But something that actually reveals the immediate benefit of DeFi that is kind of accessible for our families to use, our, our peers to use. And then kind of just simplifying that whole flow. I think with what we're excited to hear about Peas is really to streamline each step of, of going on chain. So like Armand was saying, you know, you can't immediately shove all this jargon and technical know-how and, you know, all this kind of like DGN Web3 stuff down people's throats upon immediate use of an application. So whether it be depositing directly into an AMM from your bank account, and it's just a pretty simple layer, say it's built on, you know, Polygon and you're, it's a USDC, USDC in my or USDC in Matic pool. The user doesn't necessarily need to know that because it shouldn't really matter because with us, you can on-ramp the necessary tokens and go directly into the pool itself. And so then you're automatically earning. It takes half, it takes less than half the time and takes less than half the brain power. And it's just, it shouldn't have to be this really arduous process that requires a lot of time and energy and knowledge to not use. But I think what we're really just excited to see is, is a simplification of the space and being able to work with these teams to, you know, optimize the UX to really be an exciting, usable space where it's, it really is application first or, you know, user experience first versus like a technology first approach, which has been great for like in the, with the research and the, and the work that a lot of these teams have put in. But I think it's, you know, we're, we're getting to a point now where it's mature. The, the products are still, you know, everything's getting built, but there's a point now where we can build for actual users. And so I think prioritizing building things that are actually going to be used at scale is something that I think that, you know, we're, we're bullish and is our vision here is to just make things simple to use and, and bring that to a larger subset of users. And instead of having it be Web3, it's really just people interacting with apps. So it's pulled together. And what's fun about the, our name is that we can also do like beers together, which we're doing on March 3rd, Friday at East Denver at Debolt Brewing. It's going to be awesome, 5 to 8 p.m. But there's the together. So we have Read together. We have NF, we have NF together, which is our NFT group buying thing. And so that's another thing that I was thinking is like the, the other cool thing about DeFi and crypto is the ability to do things socially. And that's very much in the DNA of, of pool together. And so I know, I know Pease works with the individual, but thinking about like, is there any, is there any direction toward like multi-sigs or like even abstracting away a multi-sig or any sort of like group fundraising or group, group kind of buy stuff, or even like, like I'm thinking like Apple accounts, like you have a family account for your iCloud and you know, I, I totally am just shooting from the hip here, but I don't know if you've had any thoughts on this. So the fact that we're using contract accounts as a means of serving users means that we can upgrade these contract accounts to service a wide variety of different use cases and features that users and customers will inevitably require. So exactly what you just described is 100% possible. We envision the future where these accounts and, and wallets within the different ecosystems that we support can be highly customizable to serve a variety of different use cases rather than just a single user with a single signer kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, a, a multi-sig spread across multiple accounts you could even envision, you know, three or four Google accounts having access to the same smart contract account. That contract account might have a certain requirement set to it that two or three out of those four accounts 
Google accounts need to, you know, come to some consensus to make a certain decision, et cetera, et cetera. All of this is possible. The, the ceiling on what we can do is virtually unlimited. I had a friend tweet that they saw this like really sick. It was, oh yeah, it was like, um, what are they? The, the biz dev for, they do biz dev for Aave, for DeFi. Biz dev, DeFi, Aave. So Katya was like posting about how there, <laughs> there's this awesome, it was like such a sick NFT with like the Nike swoosh burning and cats. And it was just like this really random thing. But I was like, oh, I must have that. So I click on it and it was Tezos. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't have that. I don't know. You know, but it's so like you had me. You already had the sale. I was going to the site and I was going to buy the thing. And then I was like, nope, not doing that because I, I don't even know. I haven't even gone down there. And I know the mental energy and exhaustion it would take for me to even get over there. And so that's why I'm so excited about peas is, is like you solving it for me, ideally, right? Like, I don't want to think about that. And I just don't want to be ripped off. And I want to uh, immediately gratify my urges in NFT purchases. Okay, so I'm so pumped about peas. And but but then I guess it's always just the question of there's so many different chains. Chains. There's so many different platforms. NFT. So how do you prioritize like what you're going to do? Like where you're going to go first? I guess it's with the partners. But I would assume I would assume you need to go wide, right? There's obviously the trade-off between partnerships and the reality of volume on these different chains and developer activity on these chains. We are starting with EVM, so Ethereum, Polygon, Optimism, Arbitrum, etc. And then just going outwards from there, depending on what the future holds and how the, the market looks when that time comes. But yes, I mean, the end goal here is that every single chain, any chain, a new chain gets spun up and can easily just be plugged right into our architecture and it'll work. There could be no, I guess, blocker on the chains we can support. And that's uh, just so we can facilitate these user experiences because as you said, as a user, you were sold. Who cares if it's Tezos or this or that? You had your card out, you were ready to go. And then a technical hurdle completely destroyed your user experience. And from a business perspective, you know, they just lost out on revenue. They just lost out on profit. And that's not good. So we're here to help. Awesome. Well, I'm just answering a question in the chat. I, I mentioned payday loans and then somebody asked, is this a payday company? Oh, is, is payday a company? No, no, I just meant like payday loans fee. And I, I just meant like the, the, you know, people write a check and then for a very large fee, they get to have the money now. And then the, the place waits to cash the check. So anyway, just, yeah, just trying to, cool. Peas. Peace, peeps. Anything else we should talk about before we go? I think this has been a really tight convo. I'm really excited about your product. I love our story. I love your office. So if you ever have a chance, you want to DM Peace because you want to hang out with them at ETH Denver. You want to, you know, see what surprises they have in store. You also want to visit their their incredible office. It's really awesome. So if you're in Brooklyn, DM Peace and they'll be happy to like meet you especially if you're influential like me. And then, uh, and then, yeah, anything else that you guys want to share before we close, wrap this up? Yeah, nothing explicitly, but yeah, you all are at East Denver or you're ever in Brooklyn, just feel free to contact Parker or I or the actual P's account. And we'll, we'll definitely get together. And, you know, Tim, really looking forward to seeing you in Denver, seeing the team in Denver, just having a good time and being surrounded by other builders and visionaries in the space is always going to be a good time. Yeah, no, appreciate you, man. It's been great, great jamming and, and looking forward to see you in Denver.
Beers and poker and, and also some whiskey. And then also we hang out in Brooklyn too. You guys got to come to the Navy Yard, my new office. So it'd be it'd be pretty sweet. Oh, I think I did. Did I hear the saws roaring oh. in the background? Uh, yeah, you do. You do. You actually already <laughs> visited my office. You were already on yep, top of yep, it. Yep. I totally forgot. You were the first people that visited. <laughs> hey, oh. we say we're, if we say we're coming, we're coming. They are. They really did. They just like they DM'd and they showed up in an Uber. I was like, whoa. All right. Cool. Yep. All awesome. right. Well, this will be out next week. And uh, thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Have a good dinner. Later. Take care. All right. Later. Thanks for listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. You can visit pooltogether.com to deposit. And we'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. So visit the Pool Together Discord and let us know.